welcome to Safe Inside, brought to you by Theratribe. I'm Jeremy Loomis, and these are my conversations with Sandra Fields, an LPC and certified clinical trauma treatment provider with over 35 years experience helping people who've been through trauma. Welcome back to the Theratribe podcast. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Sandy. And last time we talked to him about the mind-body connection and how that relates to processing trauma that you've been through. We're going to start getting into discussion about mirror neurons. Yeah, I like the, to talk about mirror neurons. It's one of the things, as a lot of the things we're actually talking about, have been discovered and studied after I became a therapist. So I had been a therapist for at least a decade before this was discovered. And so it was really kind of cool to watch how it sort of permeated the psychological community Mm. and moved more and more into actual practice. So that's been kind of fun. Um, But mirror neurons were actually discovered in 1990s at the University of Parma. I don't know the name of the scientist. I'm sure you could look them up, but they were watching some monkeys. They were observing some monkeys. And they watched uh, a monkey reach in and grab an apple. And then they watched the other monkeys make the same movement, reach in and grab the apple. They thought, hmm, interesting. So they started setting up experiments where they would have one do something and the other monkeys would actually mirror those actions. They did find out also that mirror neurons or whatever was causing that, they wouldn't mimic meaningless actions. They would only mimic meaningful actions that actually led to a specific goal like mm. grabbing the apple to eat there they were just, just grabbing a, apple. a reward there was a well it had to have a goal of a some goal. kind that was the, the the big thing about that intention intention towards a goal mm. to be honest it, it had to serve some attain some kind of goal um and so they they looked at that um then they looked at um mice and rats and they found that it, through a series of shocking their little feet, seems like every mice story that I tell is all about shocking their little feet. I'm like, what in the world? But anyway, um, through that, they learned that, that they were also learned from watching the other mice um, as well. And so as they always do, they, they look to see if we do this in humans. And the thing is, we do do this in humans. And they found specific neurons that fire during that time. And in humans, it's throughout our cortex. In different parts of our cortex, there's different types of these particular neurons. And they call them mirror neurons because we see something happen and then we mirror that action. So that's why they're called mirror neurons, right? And we can think about them. Our mirror neurons are completely developed before we are a year old. When you think about a baby, um, babies, they look at you and we smile at them and we, we make noises. And the baby, after a little while, learns to smile back. And that's how they learn to smile. Um, a baby sees us make our faces. And, and as parents, we look at babies and we make all these faces at them, playing with them. The babies learn to mirror that back to us. And then we start, because we are attaching meaning to that, they smile at us. The goal is we teach them to smile, we smile, they get a full connection 
Mm. You know, oh my gosh, look at that baby smile, right? We, we, they get that, that goal of that, uh, mm. that connection. And so we, we start with that. Um, we believe in some ways, or some scientists believe that our language also sort of moves in that direction. It's mirror neurons. So like an infant can understand a lot more words than that infant might have the motor capabilities to express. So if I say to a 10 month old, you know, do you want, are you hungry? Do you want to eat? A 10 year old, a 10 month old might very well understand what I'm saying, but has no context and may or may not even be saying mama or dada at that point. But they could understand that because of the mirror neurons mm. is, is the current hypothesis around that. Um, and so we know all of these things around mirror neurons. We don't know everything yet. We've only been studying them for a couple of decades. Which, which is part of what makes it so intriguing to me mm-hmm. being younger in my career. Uh, because when I was going through grad school, I was realizing what an interesting time to be getting into this because there's so much always coming forward in mm-hmm. the research. But mm-hmm. I, I, especially since I did some research during grad school, I realized I have the luxury of standing on the shoulders of those who've done the research to lay the context so that we can ask more pointed questions. I agree. And this it's also a good, good point for current therapists. You know, we all need to keep up learning all of the new stuff and not hang out on what we learned in grad school. Mm. Because even though it was good, it was incomplete. And we're learning new things about the human body and human behavior. Every day, every day, every day, the closer you look at something, the more there is to find. I know I spend a lot of time on Google Scholar um, just because I find it still fascinating after all this time. Mm-hmm. But there are a few things that we know about mirror neurons. We know that we continue to use them throughout life. And so, for instance, when we, we are with people, we mirror what's going on with them a lot of the time. Um, our dogs do this too. Um, you know, they they learn to mirror with us. They learn to mirror with each other. Um, I have two dogs. One we sent to uh, a behavior management camp. We called it anger management camp. He has trauma, and so they helped him learn how to uh, regulate himself when he got triggered. So it, it did really well. But in doing so, he had to learn a few commands. He came home, and our other dog, which is much older. As she watched him obey these commands, she started picking up most of them. Mm. There are a few she's refusing, I'm sure, but <laughs> but she did learn to to pick up quite a few of them um, just through watching her sibling go through that uh, you know those movements, and she saw how we connected with him. You know, good boy, good boy, and we're so excited about it. And she saw him get that those goals, and so she she has learned to do some of those commands that she couldn't do before him. Mm. Uh, one that she's learned that I didn't think she'd ever learn is uh, we have him sit and we'll put a treat on the floor or in a bowl and make him wait until we give him a release command to then he can have whatever it is. It's a way of help him learning to regulate whenever he's, he's dysregulated. So we do that regularly a couple of times a day usually. So we of course do it with her too. She is 11 years old and she's never been able to regulate that at all. Now she just sits and we didn't train her to do that. She, she literally watched her brother do this. And that's how she learned to do it. She's like, oh, that works. And now she does this. 
So now she gets a treat a couple times a day too, because she's learning to, to regulate by her mirror neurons watching her brother, which is really kind of cool. That is. Would it be overreaching to say that mirror neurons are the basis of relationship? Um, I don't think it's overreaching. I think there's a lot to do that. They have a lot to do with relationship. We don't know how much at this point, mm. but I don't think that that's an overreach. I think that is a lot to do with it. Um, one thing about mirror neurons that I find kind of interesting and also kind of scary with our lifestyle is that our mirror neurons cannot distinguish between fact and fiction. So if we are watching humans do things on television or on a movie screen, our mirror neurons cannot tell the difference. And so we respond as if those things were truly happening. So when we watch something like Game of Thrones, for instance, that was very violent, um, very, even sex was very violent. Everything was very violent. That's the word I keep thinking when I think of Game of Thrones. Very violent, it was very violent, very violent, lots of violence. Um, our mirror neurons saw that and our it can actually traumatize us mm. because our mirror neurons see that. It tells our, our nervous system that, oh, look, I'm watching them do that. And look what happens when they do that. They get killed, their head get cut, cut off or they get raped or whatever it is. And so I, I, my mirror neurons are telling my system that. And so my, I may very well become traumatized as if that would happen to me. I wonder what, and this may be pretty different one person to the next, but what does that mean for what we acclimate to in entertainment throughout our lives? I, you know, I don't know for sure. I think the studies aren't really all there yet. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I don't see many studies around that. Unfortunately, I think we should have a lot of studies around that, but for some reason we do not, not that I can find, because I've wondered that too. Yeah. I know that when I watch um, things like Game of Thrones or something like, like that, um, I feel triggered. Um, I feel overly sensitive and I have to be very careful. Mm. Um, we live in a time that I can remember as a child being like 12 or 13. And there was a movie that came out that everybody wanted to go see. And I think it was called the Poseidon adventure. And it was about a ship that had overturned and they were trying to escape through it. It was rated PG. I was not allowed to go because if you were under a certain age, you had to have your parents go with you to see this movie. My parents said no. Now, most of, most of young people have grown up in a home that have always had either a DVD player or streaming services. And we've been streaming R-rated movies into homes their whole lives. And there's not been any distinguishing. It may be that their parents don't let them sit down and watch Game of Thrones, but if they're watching Law and Order SVU, for one, the children see that they don't know the difference between fact and fiction, and they watch that, and they may identify with the victim and have a low level of trauma. I do see a lot of, of high level of activation in young people, even those that have not experienced trauma. Mm. And I do have wondered, I haven't researched it, of course, since I'm not a researcher, uh, but I have wondered if possibly that could be part of why we just we stay so plugged in with things that maybe we should or shouldn't be, mm. be activating in our mirror neurons. I, I have a hard time even on TikTok sometimes, you know, it, you, 
the things that you see or hear, it feels a little out of place. And you think about even those so-called funny videos like uh, Johnny Knoxville and or Jackass for, you know, um, that that has to have an effect on our mirror neurons. Mm. Yeah. What a, yeah, what a thing, right? Because, you know, on one hand, people will reach for certain like uh, horror movies. People will reach for something <laughs> for the sake of it having a visceral effect on them. And yet at the same time, in order to be okay consuming this stuff on a regular basis, I think on some level we have to dull ourselves to it. I, I agree. I agree. I, I think the horror, I, you know, we're going to cross over some, some uh, hypotheses and theories here. Mm. Um, we're talking about our biology here. I think we reach for those things because of our shadow. And that's a totally different subject. Yeah, maybe a series of Yes, episodes. but we are... We are reaching for those horror movies and things like that because of our shadow, but they are very available to us. Um, however, it's at a time when expressing our, our shadow self is not very acculturated in our society. There's no place to really express that, mm. um, but we may be doing it in a way. I don't know. I'm, I'm speculating that we may be doing it in a way since we're using our mirror neurons to do that, that may be harmful in the long run. Mm. There are biological changes if we are traumatized that we actually can pass down. Again, we'll talk about that at another time, but it's called epigenetics and we literally can pass it down to our children. And so we don't know the results of all of this yet. I think we've just, I don't know that we've gotten to a place yet that we're like, oh, maybe we're screwing up here and we should look at mm. what we're doing. <laughs> Again, keep in mind that Mirror neurons were only discovered in the mid 1990s, you know. So what is that? Okay, that's 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like 10 years oh, ago. Oh my! Right? Like, oh my's right. I don't like so, thinking that that's been about. I know years my ago. kids graduated from high school in the 90s. It's really kind of sad, <laughs> but it 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 feels like it was yesterday, but it in in it really kind of is. And at the same time, at that time, in the mid 1990s. We just started the World Wide Web. We all just started getting on the World Wide Web in the 90s. We didn't, we didn't not know what we were getting it to. No, we didn't. And we didn't have it before the 90s. Yeah. So we're still, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about when my bio kids were in high school, we had a computer that was in a, a public place. So what they saw online, we monitored. Today, kids have cell phones, smartphones, where even in the bathroom, in their bedrooms, and They've got access to the internet yeah. um, at all times. And so we don't know what all they're, they're viewing. And we don't really know the biological impact of this on our mirror neurons and how that is maybe possibly and probably traumatizing us. Mm. I can't imagine that it's not if we know the theory of how our neurobiology reacts in trauma or to events that we perceive as dangerous and scary and stressful. Mm. Uh, you mentioned in one of the episodes that you had a panic attack in a dental chair. Yeah, I, uh, as best I could describe it, it was a strictly physical panic response. It was, uh, I was mentally trying to talk my body out of panicking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you knew you were safe. Yeah. You knew that that wasn't a real danger. And yet it, you, your body responded as if it were a true danger. So I can't imagine our mirror neurons not impacting 
us in a, with a trauma response at times because it cannot tell the difference between real and not real. Mm. So if I, I activate my sympathetic nervous system by watching Game of Thrones, then my mirror neurons do not know that this isn't real. It just knows that my sympathetic nervous system is becoming more and more activated. And I may end up with a trauma response from watching those things. Um, so it's something to think about. We'd love to see some really good studies on that. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And for that matter, if you're a researcher and you're hearing this, yes. reach out to us. We'd love Please. to connect. I would very much love to connect with that and be involved even if you wanted a crazy long-term therapist. That would work. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Mirror neurons are very, they're very helpful in that it helps us actually figure out the intention of other people's behavior. It helps us make sense of, of people's behavior. That's really part of what I think they're for, is to help us make sense of what other people's behavior is. Put everything in context um, and helps kind of make sense of the world. Mm. But in doing that, uh, we have to take what we're seeing and then add our perception and then in our head, we're doing all this pretty quickly, but then we make kind of a hypothesis or a theorize why someone's doing what they're doing. Mm. In the instance of those monkeys with the apple, the monkeys could theorize, well, the monkey's hungry, they're going to eat that apple. Um, in human behavior, sometimes putting it in context, getting that contextual meaning can be a little bit more ambiguous and figuring that out. It can be uh, very hard to synthesize and integrate when mm -hmm. you have so many people from so many walks of life in one place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I'll mention, you know, sometimes you'll hear people get very uh, annoyed mm -hmm. with political correctness, woke culture and things. Mm -hmm. and, and the I'd like to just throw out there for people's consideration. I, I get where some of that may rub you the wrong way if it's asking you to change or take extra steps that feel unnecessary to you in your experience. Some of this is us trying to course correct from a lot of people's experience being in the majority blind spot. Mm -hmm. And it, it, some of that can be attributed to mirror neurons. So for instance, if I grow up in one culture and we make certain expressions um, for different feelings and that's how we communicate. If I grew up in the Philippines, for instance, I wouldn't point with my finger, I would point mm. with my lips, right? But if you move to the States and with your, if you're hanging out with someone who doesn't know that and you point with your lips, they might misinterpret that uh, with their mirror neurons trying to make sense of your mm. behavior and it would seem very odd. Um, and so we might then not, because it makes us uncomfortable. When we feel uncomfortable, we don't like it. We just, we don't like it. And we try to make us not uncomfortable. We, we always instinctually move to a place of where we feel more comfortable. And so if I'm hanging out with someone and they're from another culture where they make different expressions and different hand movements, for instance, and my mirror neurons are firing, trying to make sense of this. And I'm feeling uncomfortable because it's not familiar. And I'm, I don't have a context. And I may even be interpreting it incorrectly because I'm bringing all of my things in there. 
into that interpretation my whole life and my experiences. And so the probability of me misinterpreting it is very, very high. And none of this is conscious. I'm doing all this in the back of my, my thoughts. It's, mm-hmm. it's none of it's conscious. So it's going on the whole time. And so all of a sudden I'm like, I'm really uncomfortable around this person. Mm-hmm. And because every time I'm around that person, they force me into that uncomfortable zone. I begin to dislike that person. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't like that person. They, 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 they make me feel weird. They, they, they are, they are uncomfortable and they're just weird. They just weird. Right. And a lot of that may be due to mirror neurons. And the truth is they're just different because they are a different culture or a different race or a different person. Different person. Yeah, different person. <laughs> because they're not. Right. And so it may not be anything to do with that person. It may be just very much to do with my own dislike of being in that uncomfortable yeah. zone. And that, that just, you know, it's, it's, if you don't examine your own, why am I uncomfortable with this person? Are they really weird or odd or uncomfortable, I mean, or, you know, uh, creepy even, or is it that they're just making gestures or facial expressions that I'm unused to? And am I reacting to that, that strangeness through my mirror neurons Mm. in a way that makes me uncomfortable? And then I don't like it because I'm uncomfortable. It even makes me think of, um, you know, learning to, learning to kind of be okay with that level of discomfort which when you when you kind of face it and acknowledge it it's not the biggest deal especially if your priority is people and you're recognizing oh they're probably uncomfortable with a lot of things too it makes me think a little bit about that um imagine the first time you were ever in an airport and you had to take the train between concourses you might not know the way that it's going to jolt when it first starts and when it arrives at the next concourse. If you've done it more than once, or even if you've had to move two concourses over, you learn pretty quickly what your body has to do to feel stable and not just fall over, but you're still reaching for that stability. So if you can become more conscious of the fact that, yeah, it's going to be instinctive, you're going to be annoyed when you feel that something more is being asked of you in order for you to maintain your own sense of equilibrium but also that maybe a momentary inconvenience is a small price for taking somebody else's human experience into account mm-hmm. exactly is there anything else for us to wrap it up before we uh I, th- I think that actually you summed it up right there. Oh, I nice. I think if we just stay cognizant that we have our own mirror neurons that may be making us uncomfortable, that maybe we can get along with people a little bit better. I, I Sounds promising. I like it. Great. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Um, and you can do it too and let us know how it goes. Yes. All right. Um, next time we're going to be talking about... Um, attachment because attachment. it follows with mirror neurons. So I think it's a good flow. Yes, I agree. So uh, come back for that. And thanks for uh, thanks for talking with us, listening to us. Either way. <laughs> Thank you.